Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I want to welcome you to DIY, uh, Building Better Relationships. This is the fourth and final lesson, and today we're going to talk about building a better relationship with God. And this is something that I had to learn and grow in, the fact that we can actually have a relationship with the creator of the universe and literally have a friendship. I remember when I was a, uh, a new Christian, I was 20 years old, and I was a couple months old as a Christian, and I was going to a Bible study. And uh, this Bible study, uh, you know, the guy that led it, he was teaching, and he was talking about how we could have this friendship with God, just like we do with people. And I'm listening, and I had just been reading some scripture, and as I'm listening, I'm thinking, I have scripture that contradicts this. You know, I'm just a new Christian. But I raised my hand and uh, interrupted the teacher and said, said, I have a question. He said, yeah, sure. I said, how can I have a relationship with Jesus when the Bible says he ascended into heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, he's in heaven, I'm here, and I just dropped some scripture on him to correct him, you know. And, uh, and he, he, he had this smile come on his face, and he looked at another leader that was in the front row, and he's smiling. And at first, I'm thinking, they're making fun of me. And, and then uh, he began to speak, and I realized he wasn't making fun of me at all. And he just said, you know what, Joe? He said, uh, uh, first of all, a relationship with God and a friendship with God is possible. That's something you can have. And he went on to say, you know, God gave us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And by faith, we can actually have a relationship with God who does live in heaven. And I walked out that night. I drove home, and I didn't get it. I just didn't understand it. But you know what? Over time, I've come to understand it. And it's one of the most incredible parts of being a Christian is literally having a friendship with God like you would have with your best friend. So I wanna, want you to walk out today and I want you to remember something today. For many of you, you know it, I wanna help you understand it in a, in a greater way. And it just goes like this. God's purpose for man is for man to be God's best friend. God's purpose for you is for you to be God's best friend. It starts by becoming a Christian, but then that's the heart of God for every one of us in this room. Now God has other purposes for our lives. Like for instance, God had a purpose for me to be a pastor. And I remember I was a Christian a few years and God dropped that in my heart. But that's a purpose, but the number one purpose is for me to be his best friend. If God had to choose which one he'd want me to do, if I could only do one, it would be to be his best friend. God has all kinds of purposes for your life and God's given you gifts. He wants you to use your gifts and volunteer using those gifts. Uh, he, he wants you uh, to, to do all types of things, to forgive, to pray, and all those things are purpose that God has for your life. But the number one purpose, God wants you to be his best friend. And I love this scripture. Let's take a look at this scripture. It's Romans 5.10, and it reads like this. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. This is talking about when you accept Christ, it saves us. But notice the first part of the verse. Our friendship with God was restored. He's talking about mankind, because obviously I didn't have a friendship with God before I met Jesus. He's talking about humanity. And he's talking about how it was when he created Adam and Eve. And I love what the Bible teaches, that God would come down every evening with Adam and Eve. And he would literally walk in the garden with them. Wouldn't that be cool? And 
God would just walk along, and probably was Jesus the son, and they would walk and they would talk, and Adam and Eve would share thoughts, and then God would talk to them. That's incredible, just like you and I do with our best friends. And then when they sinned, they lost that. So Jesus came to restore that. Now, we won't have it the way they did. We're not going to actually hang out with God where we see him with these eyes. But he came to restore that friendship, that ability for us to have a relationship with God that's not just accepting Christ, but literally having a relationship. So this next verse goes on to say, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So we just want to talk about this incredible truth and how we can build a better friendship, a better relationship with the creator of the universe. And many of us know we're God's friends as far as he likes us and we're friends in that way. But again, he literally wants to have a relationship with you. So I got to thinking about this and in preparing my notes and I asked myself, well, what would be the ingredients necessary for you and I to have a friendship with God? Obviously, you have to, again, become a Christian first. And I came up with three main ingredients. And the first one is reverence. And most of us understand this. Some of us may not. I grew up Catholic, so we kind of learned reverence growing up Catholic. And if you didn't grow up Catholic, uh, one of the things we were taught was that God lived in, in, in the sanctuary. He lived in the church. And so our behavior was accordingly. So I had, five, I had six brothers, and we would fight. We'd hit each other. We'd cuss. But as soon as we walked up on that sidewalk and opened that door, we were like angels. And we walked in like an angel because God's in here. And we had holy water, and it was a little bowl on the side door, you know. And we'd walk in, put our fingers in the holy water, and do the sign of the cross. And we were just so well behaved. Now, my, my kids weren't raised in the Catholic Church. They were raised here. And we teach a little differently uh, because, you know, we're convinced that God actually lives inside of us. So uh, he's not just in the building. He's everywhere we go. So we want to be reverent all the time. And, and, and I'm not talking about a, relig a religious reverence. But my kids didn't grow up in the Catholic Church. And uh, when they were young, my daughter Deanna was like three or four. And uh, she was our youngest. Uh, we were in Chicago visiting Gina's uh, dad and, and uh, his wife and family there. And they were going to go to Catholic Mass, and Deanna, three or four years old, wanted to go with them. She'd never been in a Catholic church. And so she walks in the door first. Now, they don't have a little bowl of holy water. They have a huge fountain of holy water. She's walking ahead of her grandpa and grandma, and she sees this fountain of water, and guess what she did? She goes, <laughs> she spits in it. That's what grandpa and grandma did. And, and uh, they're behind her, and they're telling us a story because I wasn't there. They're telling us a story, and they were horrified, but they also wanted to laugh, and uh, she wasn't irreverent. You know why? Because she didn't know. She's just a kid, but I had to learn to be reverent. I had to learn what this means, that God is God. He, he's, he's not a person. Uh, you know, when you begin to learn the Bible, once you're a Christian, you begin to learn that uh, we've become God's children, that God's made us righteous and holy, and there can be a little season in your life where you think God's your, uh, you, you know, your homie or something, you know, he's, he's just on equal ground with you, but he's God, I mean, he's sitting on the throne and angels are circling around saying, holy, holy, I mean, he's God, uh, I'm sure my angels circle around, but they're not saying, holy, holy, I'm, I'm sure they're saying, this, this guy's got a, he's a mess, we, we really have to work with Joe, um, but I'm not deity, 
And I remember when I was a young Christian, I was in Bible school, and uh, I was dating my wife. My, my wife uh, lived with her identical twin sister, Lori, and Lori was dating Pastor Graham at the time. Now, now they're married. And, and uh, Graham, Graham was working, and I, I was late picking Gina up for a date. And I come in late, and Gina just uh, said, you're always so timely. Why are you late today? And here's where I was at at the time, and I loved to just joke and things. And I said, well, God the Father and Jesus got into an argument, and I had to counsel them. They, had, they, they just couldn't get into agreement. Gina's horrified. Lord, uh, they're like, oh, what? Their mouth drops open, and they said, that's irreverent. You can't talk that way about God. And I go, what? What? He knows I'm joking. And we get in the car on our date, and Gina just goes, Joe, you're going to get struck by lightning. <laughs> you, you cannot say that. And it took me a couple more years to figure out that was not exactly being reverent. And uh, there's something about being in awe of God, and, and, and it opens up that friendship. It's the first ingredient. I love this scripture. Here, here's how the scripture reads. Uh, Psalm 25, verse 14, it reads like this. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promises. Promises would be scriptures and all that's in the scriptures. He shares them with who? Uh, friendship is reserved for those who reverence him. It's just you and I having an attitude, you're God and I'm not God and, and, and I know I'm not God and just reverencing him for who he is. It's not going to be religious. It's an attitude in our heart. Here's the second ingredient, guys. It's thirst, thirst. And I'm sure there's quite a few of you in this room, you've had moments in your life where you were really thirsty I, I haven't had a lot, but I've had some. My first experience with being really thirsty, I came out of surgery, I think it was you know, 16, 17, come, come out of surgery. I'm in the recovery room, and, and I have no idea that I came out of surgery. I'm groggy, but my throat is so dry, it was so parched that I felt like I was going to die. So I began to moan. I just began to moan. I need water, I need water, and I'm moaning and screaming, and finally a nurse comes over and says, young man, you can't have water, you're in the recovery room, it's too early for you to drink water, I'm thirsty, I gotta have water, and I'm just telling her, I've gotta have water, and she did what every man hates, she shushed me, shh, you know, told me, shh, be quiet, young man, and then she walked away, and I thought, I'm gonna get up and grab some water, I'm gonna find water, so I'm sitting up in the bed, and I, I don't even remember I had knee surgery, and I'm trying to, trying to get over the bed, and then she comes running over, Are you crazy, you can't step on your leg, you just had surgery, I, said, I need water, I have to have water, and she goes, no, no, lay down, she pushed me down, thankfully I went in and out of sleep, I'm telling you, when I finally saw a glass of water, I did not lose one drop of that water. I drank it so fast and I said, I want more water. I got to have all the water I can have. That's thirsty. You know, the Bible teaches us that we need to be thirsty for hanging out with God. And I want to tell you something. Some of you are sitting here saying, it's, that's not me. Listen, every one of you on the inside, if you're a Christian, every single one of you are that thirsty for God. Your mind might be so cluttered you don't know it, but you are that thirsty for God. And I want, I want to show you something that David wrote. Uh, David said this, and it's such a cool scripture. He said, Psalm 42, 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
When can I go and meet with God? I remember reading this as a young Christian. I remember reading this as a young pastor years ago. And I would read it, and I would say, God, whatever David had, I don't have. I have plenty of you. I don't need any more. I like you. I love you. But I'm okay. And, and uh, you know, I'm okay. Church, Sunday, Wednesdays, my study time, I'm cool. And, and, and I used to say, God, I don't understand this. And many of you are in here saying, I don't understand that. I think I'm doing pretty good. God, God I have all I need right now. But I used to begin to say to God, whatever David have, has, I don't have it, but I sure'd like, I'd, I'd love to have it. I'd love to have it. And, and I'll tell you what happened in my life and how it happened in my life because it's, it's an absolutely amazing thing what God began to do in me. And I want to show you another scripture because if you're sitting here and you say, I'm not there, I want to show you what happened in my life and how it happened in my life. And I'm going to read out of a translation called the Amplified Bible. And many of you know this. For those that don't, I just want to share it so you're aware of how different translations uh, work. And it's really simple. Uh, so I'm giving you the simple version. But uh, there are what we call strict translations, like the NIV, the King James, the New King James. Those are strict translations. And they had a rule of thumb. Here's the rule of thumb. We're going to take the Greek, which is New Testament, the Hebrew, which is Old Testament. We're going to only use one English word for every Hebrew word, one English word for every Greek word. And so they're very strict. And uh, then there's what they call paraphrased. Paraphrased, those scholars said, we're going to read the Greek, the Hebrew, then we're going to put it into something people can understand today, and we're going to put it into our own writing. So they, they might add words, and they just put it into what they think is best. And then there's the Amplified Bible. Now, the Amplified Bible is a strict translation, but they took one lid off, and here's the lid they took off. They said, if it takes seven English words to describe a Hebrew or Greek word, we'll use seven words. And so they bring out some cool meanings from the original language. Now, the Amplified, to me, is very wordy, so I don't read it for my devotionals. It's just way too wordy for me. But it's really cool with some scriptures like this. So listen to Philippians 2.13. Uh, and the original text would, 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 would just say God's working in you both to will and do his good pleasure. But listen to the Amplified. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and I, I love this, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Now, what's the number one purpose of God? God's purpose for man is for man to be God's best friend. We have all kinds of other purposes. God put a desire in me when I was just a couple years old as a Christian to be a pastor. So that dropped in me, and I had to pursue it. I just had to pursue it. It, it dropped in me. He'll drop things in us. He, he puts desires in us for what he wants us to do. But his number one purpose is God's purpose for man is for man to be God's best friend. Take a look at this. Again, he is the one working inside you. You know how uh, with services, usually after the last worship song, I get up and pray. One of my most common prayers, and I do it because I'm sincerely, it's just exactly what I know to be true. One of my most common prayers is God changes from the inside out, because that's what this is talking about, God changing you from the inside out. And the Bible's telling us that God can actually put a desire in us to want him. He can put a desire in us to live for him. Isn't that pretty cool? 
So when I saw this and began to understand it many years ago, I began to pray this way for myself. And I would begin to say, Lord, would you place desires in me to want you, to love you like David did, to, to, to want more of you? Because I don't want to be content. I, I want to have desire in me. And it's amazing. That's God's grace. You and I can't even, we, we can't even come up with the desire. God puts it in us. And I just began to pray that way for myself. Then I began to pray that way for other people. And if you come here to the believers, uh, here's something that I want you to know. This is really important that you know this. I pray personally for you many times a week. This week, at least three times, I prayed. I said, Lord, everybody that calls believers their church, everybody that's visiting this weekend, I ask you that you would open up their eyes, that you'd place a desire in them. And I just begin to pray for you guys, all kinds of different things. And I'll have people come up to me in the lobbies and they'll say, I've been coming here three months. I've been coming here six months. And I have learned more in three months, six months, than I've learned my whole Christian life. I've been a Christian a long time. And I always tell them, well, it's not me. We're praying that way. We have prayer groups praying that way, other people praying that way. And, and God, God does it. So, so how can this work in your life? Begin to pray. If you're sitting here saying, Pastor Joe, I have all of God I need. Um, I don't want to be like David or I'm, I'm, or I'm not like David. Just begin to pray. Lord, put a desire in me to want more of you. And guess what? You can pray this way for your mate. Pray this way for your kids. It's absolutely spectacular. It changed my life. Now, here's number three, the third ingredient. You ready? Time. You have to put time into your relationship with God. And I know we're all busy. Everybody here is busy. I'm busy. You're busy. But we're going to have to put time into our relationship. And that thing you value, you'll, you'll put time into it. If you value it, you'll make time for whatever you value. And I remember when my kids were young, it was really important to me that I spent time with them. I didn't want to be one of those dads that didn't spend time with them. But I was working over 60 hours a week building this church back in the beginning and I was working monster hours. Some weeks I'd work 70. So I, I made a decision uh, that, that I would do whatever it takes to spend time with my kids. So I'd get up at 5 in the morning, and I'd get into the office early, and I would work really early before anybody got in, and then I would go home at 5 o'clock. And I could never go home at 5 o'clock on most nights unless I got up really early so I could go home and spend time with my kids. But I think of those times and a smile comes to my face and I remember when my daughter Deanna was an infant, Michelle was a toddler, two years old, Dave would have been four, Joe would have been six, and I would just sit in the living room with him and Michelle used to say, two years old, she said it all the way through first grade, she would say her homework was to cuddle with me. She'd go, Daddy, that's my homework, to cuddle with you. So I'd hold her in my left arm, I'd sit on the floor, she'd have her head on my shoulder. And she'd cuddle with me. But Joe and Dave, their homework was to beat me up. And uh, they would run and kick me and jump on me. So I'm fighting them with one arm. Michelle's cuddling with another. And we just had, it was the most incredible memories that we had. And then Gene and I, we tried to do it in the summer once a week. We'd pack up a, a dinner, a picnic dinner. And we'd go to Mill Creek Park. We had a Rottweiler at the time. Like, it was huge. And uh, we'd take our Roddy and... and uh, we would eat dinner at Mill Creek, and then we would rock trails, and Joe and Dave would want to hold the Roddy, and he'd be dragging them all over, but I just think of the fact I made time for that because it was important. Listen, with God, if you, if, if you want to get to know him and have a relationship, you just have to make some time, and, and if you're a night person, make it at night. If you're a morning person, 
make it in the morning. I just get up early. Whatever time I have to be at the office, I just get up early enough to read my Bible and hang out with God and have some God time. And I want to just talk to you about it. I always tell guys in my disciple group, um, I always tell guys, you just have to develop a routine, man. It's that simple. Just it's, it's, it's awkward at first, it's mechanical at first, but just develop a routine. If, if make, it, make it a priority in your life. So I, I want to talk to you about three ways to spend time with God. And uh, The first one to me is, it came natural to me, it may not to you. I call it intellectual. And it's just Bible reading. Colossians 3.16 says, let, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So it's just reading your Bibles. And if you're not reading your Bibles every day, I want to encourage you to do it. It's, it's spiritual food. You, you have to have spiritual food the same as you need, need natural food. Now, I've been a Christian for over 35 years, and guess what? I still need the Bible. I need spiritual food. Is there anyone in this room that you've been alive on this earth so long that you no longer need to eat food? Just Food's just like, that's yesterday's. I don't eat anymore. I haven't eaten for, for a year. Is there anybody here that goes without food? No, you have to feed your natural body, and guess what? You have to feed your spiritual body, and so it's just great to come up with a routine. Some of you aren't readers, so I'd encourage you. I have an app on my phone, an audio Bible, so uh, I, I, I like to turn the audio Bible on every morning, but then I have another app of the Bible, and I listen to the Bible and read it at the same time. Your retention level goes up if you hear it in your ears and read it, so I do both, and this morning I woke up early. Do you know why I woke up early? A little earlier than I had to because I wanted to read the Bible before I came to church, before I even thought about what am I going to preach today. I just wanted to have a personal Joe time with God. And so I read 2 Thessalonians. It's only three chapters, just under seven minutes. I know that from the audio Bible. Just under seven minutes. But I took that time, and you know what? I saw some really incredible things. And I just want to encourage you, just make some time. If you say, Pastor Joe, I just don't have the want to, God, give me the want to. Just start praying, God, give me the want to. Here, here's the next one. Um, I call it spiritual time with God that's worshiping. And it's, it's an amazing thing once you learn to worship. But guys, this is really hard for us uh, because it's not for most guys. Now, some guys are, are more developed than, than I would be. But for most of us, this is awkward, um, worshiping God. And I really had to learn how to do it and I had to grow in it. But it's one of the most spectacular things in the world. But I remember when I was a young Christian, I'd come to a church like this, and we would sing our worship songs. And, and I was single. I hadn't met Gina, hadn't gone to Bible school yet. And I would uh, stand there, and I was so thankful. I really loved Jesus. I wasn't one of those guys that didn't love Jesus. I loved him. Uh, he saved my life. I had a 180 turn in my life. I mean, I, I was a different person, living, living an incredible excited life for God, but I didn't understand worship. And I would stand in church, and I'd watch some people like this. They'd be worshiping with their eyes closed, and, and I would think, well, they're not weird. There's some, they've got something I don't have. I don't know what it is, but I don't have it. And I was just gawking, who's wearing what, and are there any pretty girls today that I haven't met yet? You know, I'm just thinking about finding a wife. And, uh, and so all that's going on. But I would just think, God, I want that. And, and, and I'm telling you, I've told this story before, but I was at a home Bible study, and the guy leading the group said, we're going to worship first tonight. And he said, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you as you worship to imagine you're standing right in front of the throne of God. Just imagine God's right in front of you and worship from here, not from here. 
And I thought, I never did that. Let me give that a shot. So I closed my eyes and I just began to sing as if God was right in front of me. You know, it, it wasn't like I had, you know, goosebumps or anything like that. But it's like time stood still. I lost track of time. I wasn't looking at my watch to see, when, when are they going to finish? This is really long today. I just, I, just, uh, I just sang from my heart and it's like I lost track of time. But the coolest part is when it's all done, you know, they kept playing a little bit, and I just, like, enjoyed God's, I call it God's presence. It was, it was a, incredible. First time I experienced that. And then I began to learn in the Bible that God is a spirit, and we must worship Him in spirit and truth. And I want to read to you uh, out of the message. This is paraphrased, but this is the verse. And listen how it reads, John four twenty four: God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. And so it's saying God's just not intellect. God is spirit. And our spirit, the inner man, we just learn to worship him from there. We have to use our brain to read the words and all that, but just singing out of here. And it's amazing what happened. Once I experienced that, I wanted it again. So I began to, when I came into church, I wanted it again. So I sang like those other people and just worshiped God in church. And it was amazing as I experienced it. And you know, as Christians, we go through three stages. And you can do this in, in any area of the Bible. And in this area, I went through, I was in my second stage. Uh, we go through the infant stage where we don't understand. That's where I was when I was looking around. So I went through the infant stage with worship. Then we go through our adolescent stage. And adolescent stage, you know, when I was an adolescent, I, I, there's bunch of you guys in here today you're you're so much better than I was but I I felt like I knew everything I felt my mom and dad knew nothing I was so critical of every adult and I just felt like I knew it all that's adolescent we go through that spiritually you know and and um, I got into this phase where I tasted something and then I became really critical with my church and they were singing six songs we sang four here they were doing six worship songs and I became critical like this church is so carnal. I'm going to find me another church. They don't worship long enough. Man, I need more time in worship. That's adolescent. And then when you mature, you realize, hey, I can do this at home anytime I want. You just start to mature a little bit, you know. Church can't go that long because there's visitors and there's people at every stage. We'll chase everybody out of the church if we do it. And so, so you realize that. You go from adolescent selfishness to realizing that. And you realize, I can worship God anytime I want. So then I began to just worship at home, just worship God, just love Jesus for who he is and for what he is. So just, just tell you what I do. And again, years ago, I would have never dreamed I'd do this, but every day I have to worship God. It's just something I have to do. I, I wake up out of bed, I read my Bible, and, and then I pray. And I, this is the work prayer where I pray for you guys. And I pray that this is where I really take some time and work. And then I do my worship put on my favorite worship songs, and I sit in my office. I blare the music as loud as I can because I don't even like hearing my voice. So I, I figured God must have a filter. There has to be a filter it goes through for him to like it. Um, and we know now with technology, we can do that on earth now. So we, we know he's had that for a long time. And so uh, he, he can handle my voice. But I sit there, and I sing my favorite song, and it, it's like, it's not weird. I close my eyes, I imagine, and I just sing my heart out. It's amazing what happens. And then the next song, I'll typically just kind of sing some things out of my heart. They don't make sense. I'm not a songwriter, but I just sing out of my heart. And then I just sit there a little bit. And that's the most amazing time 
That's the fellowship, friendship. That's spirit to spirit. When you're reading the Bible, it's like God sitting down and giving you advice. It's powerful. It's necessary. But when I'm sitting there, it's just, you know, if I have something bugging me, my heart cries, not praying for other people, but I'll just let God know, hey, I need this. I need answers for that. But then I just sit there and, you know, God will begin to speak to your heart, not through here, but he'll make scriptures come alive. He'll speak to you. And once you taste that, it's like, I've got to have that. Gina and I were at the couples retreat last weekend, and um, I, I woke up in the hotel room with her, and I said, you know, uh, I'm going to do my worship, but I said, I'll go in the bathroom. I put on the earbuds, so music is blasting, but I did worship. I did whisper worship, like, I love you, Jesus, I love you. So she didn't have to hear me, because that might turn her away from God if she has to listen to me worship. She may hate worship the rest of her life, man. So, so if you're here and you say, this is strange, listen, if you're not a Christian, it's it's like, wow, you can do that? It's incredible. And anybody that's been here a long time, anybody that knows me, every, anybody you talk to, you know one thing they'll tell you about me? He's not weird. I'm just a, a, not a weird person. So um, this is not weird. This is normal, okay? I'm just an average Joe, okay? So here's number three. Number three is conversational. And I call this constant conversation. First Thessalonians 5, 17. You know, that scripture says, pray without ceasing. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, you sit in your room and just pray all day. It's just conversational, just, you know, talking to God as you go through your day. So when you pastor a church, you hear a lot of negative things. And you guys have negative things come into your life. But, you know, I'm just going through my day and I find out someone's in the hospital and they just found out they had cancer. You know, you hear all kinds of terrible news. And when I hear that news, wherever I'm at, it's conversational. Lord, I lift them up. I pray for them. Lord, I pray that you bring healing into their life. Pray for them. Or I get bad news. Somebody died. And then I begin to pray for all their loved ones. And it's just conversational. And as you go through your day, you have the right to have conversational just relationship with God. It's the most amazing thing. So some of you are sitting here saying, what's some baby steps I can take? Because uh, it's good to take baby steps. You know, when it comes to worship, here's, here's some baby steps. Just begin to play some worship music in your cars or when you're getting ready in the morning. Put, put your favorite worship music on. Find some worship music. Begin to listen to that. Here's what's going to happen. Worship is the atmosphere of heaven. When you hear that worship music, it's going to begin to give you more of a desire for that. Here's another baby step. When you come to church, just begin to say, I'm going to imagine I'm standing right in front of God. And during our worship sets, just begin to worship from here and not just here. And you'll begin to take those steps and that hunger will begin to grow. Begin to pray for yourself in that area. In the morning, sometime in the day, just say, I'm going to take 10 minutes. Start with 10. I'm just going to read some scripture for 10 minutes every day, and you'll begin to have this hunger come where you want more and more of it. I want to close with one scripture, and this is the place I think all of us want to be. It's Psalm 27, verse 4, and it reads like this. The one thing I want from God, the thing I seek most of all, is the privilege of meditating in his temple, living in his presence every day of my life, delighting in his incomparable perfection and glory. David got there. I feel like I've gotten there. A lot of you in here have gotten there. Here's the cool thing. All of us can get there. That's, that's really cool. All of us can grow in this. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray, guys. Before we take off today, let's pray. Lord, I did my best teaching, having relationship with you, fellowship, Lord. And I know wherever I lacked, you, you fill in with the Holy Spirit, just making things real to us. Thank you for doing that. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room.
And Lord, right now, I just want to give all of us a chance to say, God, I want more of a desire to hang out with you. Hey, if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I want that, can, you can whisper that prayer. Would you just whisper to God and say, I want more of a desire for you, Lord God. Lord, as we go through our week, remind us, show us, show us where we can change our schedules, make a little bit more time and, and do whatever we have to do, have a routine put together, whatever that routine may, may be, so we can have more time with you, Lord God. And Lord, all of us, thank you for that. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I, I want to pray for one more thing before we dismiss, and it's real simple. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure of my forever. I'm not sure if I were to die, if I'd go to heaven or to hell. I'm not sure if I am a Christian. I'm not sure if I have that connection. I want you to listen to me. Just listen real close. I'm not asking you to join our church or religion right now. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it real with Jesus? When you said, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins and I'm going to follow you. That's what happened in my life when I was 19 years old. If you're here and you say, I can't remember that, I can't remember that day, Pastor Joe, but today my heart's touched. I believe in Jesus. I'm ready to follow him. If you're here and you say that's you, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the building, would you help us out? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to you. Jesus, I believe God raised you up out of that grave. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.